Hello and welcome to episode 109 of the BMcast. Not a podcast that doesn't pay their judges fairly, but they shout about playing Magic the Gathering on a budget. I am Scott and I am joined by the cult conscript herself, Emma. How are you doing today? Yeah, good. Still weird because it's, mm. a, it's a Tuesday and we're still recording, just so everyone yeah. knows. We've been recording for, what, the last three days now? So we've done an episode on Sunday, done an episode on Monday, and then we're doing one today. So it's really weird for you to ask how I am when I know you're okay, because yeah. I spoke to you yesterday. But yes, I'm doing well. Yeah. How are you? <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. Yeah. So for the record, like people won't have actually heard one that we recorded yesterday for a while. So I, I, I let's just say that I was inspired by when I was saying that I was watching the show Dark on Netflix with the multiple different timelines oh, yes, yes, and like jumping around time and stuff. Yeah. 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 So we've decided to do that with our episodes as well. <laughs> no, what's, what's actually happened is today is the 23rd of August, a Tuesday, mm-hmm. and Emma is off to the US tomorrow. So we are sort of planning ahead with a couple of episodes and that kind of thing. That's why we asked out on the socials and in Discord and stuff for some Q&A ahead of time, and that kind of thing. So we're just recording ahead, making sure that we get a couple of episodes down so that Emma isn't stuck every Sunday in the US uh, having to talk to me five hours ahead and <laughs> yeah, figure all that out so this is the first episode i believe that we've recorded ahead of time i have to explain this again even though i explained it in the last episode which you'll hear at the near the end of september i think Getting that's weird time's weird <laughs> so obviously as you heard in last week's episode episode 108 we talked about how we were and stuff but like emma said a minute ago that was like a day or two ago so like nothing's really changed so rather than just say the same thing again or say nothing we thought we would put in like one or two little interesting facts about ourselves so emma yours first i suppose um so because my personality trait is drunken stories we're gonna go we're gonna lean into that for my fun (laughs) fact um so Mm -hmm. i've only broken two bones in my life and one of those was when i was in my 20s i was out with a load of friends university so obviously you drink anyway because that's just what you do um, I got really drunk and went to a nightclub and then I jumped on a stripper pole because like you know what this is gonna be great because you know I'm like t- 10 beers in whatever it's gonna be great time um, so I took a swing on it and I fell over I managed to fracture my ankle when I fell over um, but nice. I was that drunk that I didn't realize that I fractured it so hmm. I just got back up afterwards and continued drinking for like another four hours so I was like eh, it's just like a bruise it'll be fine as you do you shrug these things off because yeah when you're drunk you know best right um <laughs> and then waking up the morning after just having my ankle covered in bruises I woke up going hmm. ow what is that pain that really really hurts went to the doctor and they're like yeah you fractured your ankle and told the story <laughs> they found it hilarious and yeah, so that was great. That's a fun fact. I'm nice. just a massive idiot when I'm drunk. How about you? <laughs> I mean, no different to anyone else, right? Of course. Like, it's the stupid juice. Like, <laughs> it is stupid juice. So my fun fact is I used to do stage work on concerts when I was in college. So I got to see loads of artists live for free, basically, just from nice. the side of the stage. So I think the highlight for me was I stood just beside Tom Morello slightly off stage as he was playing the Oxygen Festival in Ireland with Rage Against the Machine which is badass because like in my opinion he's one of the the best and most interesting guitar players ever and Rage are just so good live as well oh my god so good other somewhat highlights I suppose are uh, I saw Celine Dion I saw Michael Bublé uh, I saw Bon Jovi they were the worst they had far too much gear to set up oh my god far too much 
I mean, they're an 80s band. They're over the top, you know? Yeah. And I met Nickelback and I had to move the Pussycat Dolls' motorcycles around. Uh, oh so, like, God. it was definitely a mixed bag. But, like, it was a lot of fun. It was, like, proper oh, hard yeah. work. But, like, it was definitely really enjoyable. Got a lot of good stories out of that. Nice. So there you go. If you enjoy the BM cast and would like to support them, you can become a patron for as little as $3. Not only will you get access to all of the show notes and deck lists, but you get to listen to the new episodes a day earlier than anyone else. Visit patreon.com forward slash the BM cast to join today. There are also free ways to support them too. Just listening to the show is already great. You can follow them on their Twitter at the BMCast as well, and even DM them for a link to the Discord server. No matter your budget, we'll make sure you get your stonks on. Alright, so, Emma, it is your turn this week for Card of the Week. What have you got for us? So my card of the week this week is a really fun one from Battles for Baldur's Gate, and that is Contraband Livestock. So for 25 Mm. cents, you can get yourself an instant, um, that is one generic and a white, and it reads. So you exile target creature, but then you get to roll a d20. If you roll between 1 and 9, its controller creates a 4-4 green ox creature token. If it's between 10 and 19, its controller creates a 2-2 green bull creature token. And if you manage to roll an actual 20, its controller creates a 0-1 white goat creature token um so basically this is kind of like white reality shift i know white has a lot of good removal anyway but this is just a fun chaotic sort of varied way to deal with uh, like creatures i kind of like dice rolling in commander because it just brings that random element which mm. also can bring some fun memories even if the opponent gets a 4-4 which is fairly likely yep. to happen it, it's fine in commander because the 4-4 is just better than whatever they had previously because the creatures are just so good in commander these days yep. In terms of playing it in Commander, you don't want it to replace your swords to plowshares and cards like that. But I could see this replace like a Path to Exile, for example, because lands are a pretty important aspect of Commander. But I enjoy it. It's yeah. just a fun, varied way to, you know, give someone a cow. Yeah. Yeah. When it when it comes to actually replacing the likes of swords to plowshares and stuff, I think that some things, like the removal and stuff in Commander so much of it is of such high quality and I would consider mm. contraband livestock to be fairly high up there that the difference in casual games between like a swords and this is like minimal you know yeah. like sure there's like fringe cases where you'll sword your own thing to stay alive or whatever but like that's so sweaty like yeah. you know like sometimes you're just gonna be like you know this is fine too like also like this is 25 cents swords yeah. is what like still like three dollars four dollars each Plus the art's sweet because there's goats and cows and pigs on it. Exactly. Not enough cards are chosen for their art over their function, in my opinion, a commander. Agreed. (laughs) So, speaking of choosing cards, we are moving on to our topic of the day. Uh, Yeah, that was a perfect segue. Don't give me any notes (laughs) on that. It's perfect. Thank you. Uh, (laughs) Rotation pickups is what we're talking about. So, rotation is here. It's coming in. It's going to happen when it comes to rotation. I think the biggest thing to take into account now is that like these sets that are rotating, most stores just won't be stocking them anymore because that's just how it goes. So that is going to be a relatively big factor in the price difference in these cards over time. We're going to go through each set one at a time, and we're talking about it from a lens of Pioneer and Modern. Recently, we talked about Pauper pickups. Uh, We just wanted to put those off to the side because there was enough of them to sort of squeeze into 
the last episode, but there's a reasonable bit here. So I guess we better start. We've got a lot ahead of us. Yeah, so just a quick segue before we dig mm. in. Uh, so the sets that are rotating out are pandemic sets, which means they're released during the COVID-19 pandemic. As you said, stores aren't going to be selling like the packs and there's mm. probably not going to sell as many of the singles now. Accessibility might be a bit difficult because people just didn't open stuff because people were all in lockdowns yeah. and couldn't play in a tabletop setting. So there could be an opportunity where these are harder to get hold of and might be a little expensive. So just keep that in mind when you're looking for cars because they may go up. There might be some scarcity issues. Just yep. something to keep in mind. But for as sure. for Zendikar Rising, which I think is probably one of the more important sets to pick cards up from, especially for Pioneer, yeah. because you've got some really great removal in Feed Swarm and Blood Cheese first, which, you know, cheap, effective removal. We talked about Feed yep. Swarm um, last week, where, you know, it's enchantment removal in black. That's a big deal. Blood Cheese mm. first is this versatile removal spell with Kicker. You see it in Modern occasionally, and it features in Pioneer. But more importantly, from Zendikar Rising, is all the modular dual face cards. So I'm talking about like the pathways especially. The pathways have been going up because there's a big surge in Pioneer. There's lots of competitive Mm -hmm. play again. The RCQs are all Pioneer. Tabletop Magic is back. So there's a lot of demand for these pathway lands. So I'd recommend picking them up if you can because they are some of the best lands in Pioneer. They see fringe play in Modern as well. They're good budget options on shock lands at present. And then you've got the spell versions of these cards as well. So like Salundi Vision mm. is a really good one that you're a fan of that sometimes you play in like Storm and Blue based decks. Yep. Spikefield Hazard is free removal. You see it a lot in Is It Phoenix and Pioneer. That's a really good home for it. Then you've got like Oops or Spells and Belcher, which is just <laughs> basically all Zendikar Rising uh, flip cards, essentially. It runs all the mythic uh, yeah. lands, which are getting quite expensive now. You've got Valakut Awakening, which is a fantastic card. You see it in the Creativity decks in Modern, um, just as yeah. a way to refill your hand. And then you've got Malakir Rebirth, which is a recent one, thanks to Aspiring Spike, who's been playing with the card in like a Rakdos midrange deck. But you use like mm. Grief and Croxer to Malakir Rebirth it on the stack and it comes back sort of thing. So you're yeah. just really ripping someone's hand apart, but you still have these creatures in play. It's gross. It is disgusting, but stuff like Malakir Rebirth is really good. It's an uncommon. It's yeah. one mana. What do you think about the MDFCs? Like, yeah, they're they're bananas. I love personally the just touching back in the Oops All spells in Belcher. I love that those decks are basically like Zendikar Rising block constructed yeah. decks plus these rando broken cards from a million years ago. I, <laughs> I love it. I love it so yeah. much. The thing is, they're they're gonna see play literally everywhere forever. Yeah. I, I said this when they were first spoiled. I was like, the ones with the lands on the back, they're just incredible particularly commander i know we're talking about modern and pioneer here but like mm. you'll see so many lists that will just have one or two of these in there anyway because they're basically free free life is so, like yeah. nothing in commander especially mm. um and then you we've got the, the non-flip card so you've got stuff like arc of Emeria that sees play in like death and taxes in modern because it's an evasive disruptive threat Skycape mm. apparitions a great one band spirits is one of the best decks in pioneer at the minute it runs a, a set of those also sees play yeah. in modern in death and taxes and then you got like Scourge of the Skyclays, which has fallen off in recent times for Death mm. Shadow just because Legislator came into print and that's kind of taken the spot. But it's a, a, a really good effect. You can easily build like a like an eight Death Shadow. Like I believe you talked about it the other day, the 12 Shadow deck that runs this, like the budget yeah. mono black one. 
um, with Saffron yeah. Like It's a unique effect. It will see play at some point. Someone will break it in half again, so it's worth picking mm-hmm. those up. And then lastly, you've got Rolling Vortex, which is, you know, really good for prowess, really good for burn. It's this two-mana enchantment that just punishes people. A really cheap option, admittedly, because it has been reprinted in the Challenger decks, I believe, but it's just mm-hmm. a really good option for, like, a bulk rare if you just hate life gain yeah. as an aggro player. <laughs> yeah, 100%. There, there are just so many good cards from Zendikar Rising that, like, I don't think people really gave this set the credit that it deserved. Like, I know people like the set. They didn't like it as much as, like, the original Zendikars and all that kind of stuff. And I get that. Like, there's a certain level of nostalgia there, and there's certain other things, like, you know, that's where the original Goblin Guide came from and that kind of thing. But there's so many powerful cards that are going to see play for a long time out of that set. It just made me wish that they just kept to the the modular DFCs in every set, because they're great. Kind of, yeah. I know over time, like, we would end up with far too many and we would basically be playing no lands in any deck, but, like, you know. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's fantastic. It really is. Then on to, I think, my favorite set that's rotating, Strixhaven. Mm, All spell-based. Like, it's just all spells, basically. Scott likes the spell-based set. Never. I think there are only, like, two non-instant and sorcery cards on this list. So I'll start off anyway. Sure. <laughs> yeah. uh, so solve the equation, the three mana tutor for an instant or sorcery. It's just good. Like it sometimes shows up in Twiddlestorm, Giftstorm, that kind of thing. It does seem more playing commander, but there will be some spell-based decks in those formats where it will run one of these to be able to tutor up a Wincon or whatever. This set had some exceptional removal in the form of Fracture, Vanishing Verse, and Rip Apart. So basically hitting nearly anything with those. I am mm. super, super versatile. They're affordable, but they're the kind of thing that over time people are going to be like, have you got any fractures? And like, what do you mean? They're like $4 or something, you know? Like right now they're like 20 cents or something. They're just very strong. Plum the Forbidden is something that I don't think is seeing enough play at the moment. I know there's no real deck that can like abuse it properly, but being able to copy your own spell to sacrifice a creature and draw a card and stuff, I feel like that needs to be looked at at some point later down the line and culling ritual as well often see sideboard play in the likes of sometimes very rarely in like cascade decks and that kind of thing but in the sideboard of like jund and that sort of stuff uh, it shows up quite a bit there Uh, you've got like prismari command it sees play in all the creativity builds it sometimes shows up in pioneer as well it's just a good all-rounder it's the blue red equivalent to coligan's command i think and i think they're on the same power level they're just functionally different so they're hard to sort of gauge but i think they're about the same kind of power sedgemore witch this shows up sometimes in vintage which is wild you know yeah it's my favorite card from strixhaven it's so good it's so so good magecraft is just bananas it sometimes shows up out of like abzan and grease fang archetypes and that kind of stuff where people side out removal and that kind of thing and then the ward on it as well is very powerful so also great with that's good forbidden. yes absolutely the, yeah the, these pair like hand in hand yeah. it's like you know the the hand in hand meme yeah where it's like sedgemore witch plum the yeah. forbidden gas value kind of thing yeah mm. then a couple of other ones that like see a little bit of play like you've got go blank which is just discard two cards and exile graveyard. It's great in Pioneer. It's a really, really solid sideboard card. It hoses Phoenix, it hoses Croxidex, any other kind of spell-based deck, anything that cares about the yard or like decent number of cards in hand. 
Gob like just ruins their day. Another one that it used to be mostly like a standard kind of thing, or not a standard kind of thing. It was like a thing on Arena, Magma Opus. I think it was a historic yeah. thing actually. You could discard it to make a treasure, and then you know you play a torrential gear hulk or something, and you get to flash it back for free and that kind of stuff. And it sometimes sees play with like the henadas and that sort of stuff in yeah, other formats. Good in standard, or was good in standard. Um, yeah. Pioneer creativity decks can use this to their advantage, right? You can discard this to make a treasure, which is very valuable, and because it's an early token to hit, or it can accelerate you a little bit. And then you can creativity hitting the treasure if you want to get down and hit a torrential gear hulk, which will enter the battlefield and then let you cast the magma opus from the bin for free, which is like very explosive. So it's not really seeing a whole lot of play right now. But stuff like this and Prismari Command and that kind of thing, making like an Is a Creativity deck in Pioneer or maybe a Grixis one or something, who knows? That is a really great card for it. And then finally, Elite Spellbinder sees play in like the humans lists, both in Modern and in Pioneer. Pioneer mostly, but it's great to come down on like turn three and look at an opponent's, like a blue eye control opponent's hand and be like, I'm going to make that Supreme Verdict cost way more. So. Yeah, it can often win games and that kind of thing. So, yeah, they're all the ones that I would recommend from Strixhaven. Again, loads and loads of spells. Only two creatures there, but, like, the spells are <laughs> so good. Yeah. But no, Sedgemore Witch is my favourite. I want that to be a deck in Pioneer. If you give me a deck mm-hmm. before Sedgemore Witches, someone make it work, please. I will play it. Yeah. So now we're moving on to Kaldheim, which honestly yeah. feels like forever ago. It feels longer right. than... Yeah, it feels a very long time ago. Um, yeah. So there's some good cards on here. Um, so first off is uh, one of Scott's favourites, which is Bergy oh. Storytelling, which yep. sometimes sees play in like prowess decks as a way to use Bergy as a late game engine. Some combo decks use her ability to make spells free or mana positive as well, so you can kind of storm mm. off with it because she generates mana. And then you've got a self-perpetuating combo with stuff like Burning Increase, Underworld Breach, especially yeah. in uh, Modern, because I believe Underworld Breach is Band of Pioneer. Mm. And yeah, you can just go off and have a fun time. It's a great card. Also really fun in Commander. I know we're not talking about Commander now, but it's just a really fun build around um, and you just get to play those cheap spells. Um, mm-hmm. One of my favourites from Kaldheim is Realmwalker. So this is one of the... Yeah. It's the Shapeshifter Tribal card that you get to look at the top card and cast it if it's um, the same creature type. It goes in any Tribal deck that runs green because it's a Shapeshifter. It yeah. does see play in Modern Elves as like a one-of or a two-of, just as a as a, like a yep. tutor target, just to make sure you can churn out more Elves. Sometimes you see it in Modern, like Modern Humans. Humans is not as popular in Modern as it once was, yep. but it is an option. The effect is unique. It can go in any Tribal strategy. This is probably going to be worth something a few years down the line just because it's a yep. good Tribal card. Um, and speaking of tribal, you've got another good one that sees a lot of play in Pioneer at the moment, which is Pyro mm-hmm. Heroes, which is the essentially the birthing pod, but for but for tribal decks. It yeah. currently sees play in humans. There are human builds that run this, um, especially like the three to four color versions with lots of silver bullets to get what they need. You see yeah. it in goblins in modern sometimes as well, if they're a little bit more combo focused. And then sometimes you see it in modern humans too. Again, unique effect. It's tribal. It's probably going to be worth something down the line so if you're looking to play tribal at some point i recommend picking these up and then you got eskia's chariot which we all know is a ridiculously good card it's seen a lot of playing standard it sees playing pioneer and gore mid-range is is often a target for khan the great creator in mono green devotion 
Mm. Doesn't see playing modern, but it's going to be a big pioneer card, I think. Especially yeah. now, Dominaria United has made the other lands, uh, the other pain lands legal. So you've yeah. got the Grawl one. Okay. So I think Grawl's going to come back, which I think Eski's Chariot's going to also feature. And then you've got Showdown of the Skulls, which is a great value piece that will probably show up in like aggressive decks or like Boris, Mardu, tap out mid range style decks. In yeah. Pioneer, it's just a really versatile saga. And then you've got Ascendant Spirit, which sees a lot of play in Mono Blue Spirits in Pioneer at the mm. moment, which is low key one of the best decks and one of the most affordable as well. Um, very true. Card is not very expensive either, so I recommend picking them up if you want to play Spirits. Uh, same is true for Old Growth Troll, which sees a tremendous amount of play in Mono Green Devotion in Pioneer. Sometimes you see it yeah. in Mono Green Stompy in Modern as well, as like a budget sort of aggro deck. And then lastly, you've got Weather Dreamstone. While it's a good artifact hate card, it doesn't see a lot of play at the moment. But it could do in the future just because Pioneer and Modern are ever eternal formats. Things can change at any point. So just having a couple in, yeah. in your collection just to whip out in anticipation of like metagame changes and so forth. Exactly, yeah. yeah. It's the kind of card that, like, like you said, like this is why people see these cards like two or three years down the line and be like, that's how much? Oh yeah. my god, I had those and I should have picked them up or I shouldn't have sold them or whatever. It's the yeah, damping sphere effect, is what I call it, mm. which is like people were like, eh, damping sphere, I can grab those at some point and it's like $4, $5 each now. Yeah. And it's like, exactly. Had your chance. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Caldine was really good. I enjoyed that I set. I can't remember much of that actual limited format because it was so long ago. <laughs> I know I didn't play a single game limited for it, personally, but... Remember the cards being good. Mm. But yeah, there's a lot of good stuff. Not Nothing super notable, but just a lot of good role players. Yeah, this definitely struck me as more of a commander set in general. Yes. Like, I don't think it was geared specifically to be like that, but it being a tribal set, that's just how they end up going, you know? Mm. Looking back, I think I enjoyed this set more than I thought I did initially, mm. for sure. There's a lot of fun stuff there. But... Moving on to D&D Adventures in the Forgotten Realms. There's a couple of cards in here. There's a couple of cards that don't really see a whole lot of play, but again, like the Weathered Runestone kind of effect, we want to make sure that they're sort of on the radar because there are very few cards that do similar kind of things, you know? So, first of all, the first card on the list is not one of those cards because we know <laughs> it's great, and that's Treasure Vault, the Artifact Land. That you can pump mana into and sack to make treasures. In Pioneer, it's a treasure token enabler, so you can use it in stuff like Monogreen Devotion if you want to, Azorius uh, sort of in Soul Artifact decks. You can also do it in Creativity decks if you want to, to be able to make a couple of tokens, that kind of thing. In Modern, I play it in my Mono Blue Affinity list. It shows up sometimes in the Azorius builds as well. You can use it as a combat trick later in the game if you're attacking in. You can pump a load of mana into it, sacrifice it, and make like four or five treasures, and then grow whatever is attacking, yeah. like a nettle cyst or a cranial plating, that kind of thing. So that's really fun. And speaking of artifacts, probably the best removal spell in Pioneer as it stands yeah. at this point in time. At the time of recording, Portable Hole. Being able to take out any two mana value or less non-land permanent is bananas. So powerful. Oh, it's it, going up in price too. It is. I'm so glad I got my playset early. Same. So glad. <laughs> um, it's it's also relevant to Modern 2. It shows up a lot in the Azorius Affinity builds with Urza and that kind of thing. Mm. So that's good. And then speaking of artifacts and Modern and that kind of thing, Ingenious Smith as well mm. shows up in Affinity and Modern in any artifact-based decks in Pioneer as well. There's like in Soul ones. There's like the Metalwork Colossus deck. Bring that's that up because deck. I might have just bought that deck. Maybe. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
yeah, it's it's a ton of fun. And Ingenious Smith is definitely one of the enablers for that kind of thing. It just lets you dig so much and then it becomes a threat by itself. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Wish is the next card. It's used in oh, modern by yeah, by Titan Shift, by Gift Storm, Twiddle Storm, that kind of thing. It turns your sideboard into a toolbox. Combo decks can keep their win condition outside the main deck in the case of like Twiddle Storm or Gift Storm, that kind of thing. You don't need to take up a main board slot with a grape shot and that kind of thing. And it's just good. It's just all around solid. Then Prosperous Innkeeper is the Soul Sibling. We're calling them Soul Siblings now because Prosperous Innkeeper and uh, Lunark Veteran. Yeah. They're no longer Soul Sisters, they're Soul Siblings. Um, <laughs> this term was brought to you by uh, my good friend Tara. She was like, it's not all sisters anymore. So, Soul Siblings. Being able to give you the treasure to accelerate you ahead until like a four drop on turn three or something with just it is quite nice. But it also sees some play in Pioneer Citadel decks and that kind of thing that want to play a lot of creatures off the top, paying life and that kind of thing. It helps you mitigate that life and accelerate you to the Citadel in the first place, so that's good. One that does not show up really at all, and hold on, I'm going to open it and read it because I think people really skimmed over this. It's Sphere of Annihilation, right? So X and a black for an artifact. It enters with X void counters on it, and at the beginning of your upkeep, Exile, Sphere of Annihilation... All creatures and planeswalkers with mana value less than or equal to the number of void counters with it, and all creature and planeswalker cards in graveyards with mana value less than or equal to the number of void counters on it. So it's sort of like a black ratchet bomb yeah. that also hits graveyards, and you can use it to go up as far as, say, like Ren and Sixes and that kind of thing. It's quite good. I think it's being slept on a little bit. And the fact that it's an artifact, you can tutor it up easily with stuff or get it from the sideboard with Karn. Then Burning Hands one and a red for an instant Uh, it deals two damage to target creature or planeswalker but if that permanent is green it deals six damage instead so i bring this up because this is better than unholy heat for decks that can't really get delirium online so i'm talking stuff like eight whack or that kind of thing or prowess decks or whatever sometimes they struggle with it it kills a primeval titan stone dead it kills uh omnath stone dead it kills a ren and six stone dead it kills so many things just right out dead right it's very good. I definitely think people should look into this one. And then finally, Creature Lands. Because yes. there's Den of the Bugbear, there's Layer of the Hydra, shows up in Mono Green Devotion, and Pioneer, Hive of the Eye Tyrant, shows up in the Rakdos decks, Hall of Storm Giants. Like, all of these see modern and Pioneer play. Unfortunately, we don't really see the white one all that much. No, but, white one's not as you know. good. I think Den's the best one, which is the red one that makes a goblin. Um, but they're all just so. really, really good. Um, again, probably For just sure. going to go up in value because they're starting to. <laughs> and yeah. because of Pioneer's prevalence again. Absolutely. And that's basically it for the D&D set. It, it's weird because, like we said last week, like it doesn't really feel like there was a whole lot of power in the D&D set. But there are quite a lot of like very strong cards for very sort of niche roles and that kind of thing. And I think that's what sometimes people can skip over and stuff. Like Treasure Vault, Portable Hole, like they're yeah. very, very strong. You know, but they're niche, so. But yes, that's what we would recommend as pickups for Pioneer and Modern. We did kind of skim through these kind of quickly because we had so many cards on this list. We were just like, you need to pick up, like, I I think there's, what, like 60 cards on here in total? If you count the MDFCs as well, like, it's absurd. So, yeah, if you can, get whatever seems like something you would use in the future, so... I do need to do some shopping soon as well, so this is a good reminder for me. <laughs> mm, isn't it? Mostly Zendikar Rising. But <laughs> yeah. So, 
to round out the episode, Emma, we have some Q&A, don't we? We do. So let's kick it off with Kindness MTG. So they've got a scenario mm. for us. So you've just taught someone how to play Magic at a convention. What format, deck, and play setting would you recommend to them next? Uh, this is in reference to the episode mm. that yourself had with Angelo, mm. but they're going to pack soon. Interesting. Um... As much as I don't like limited, I would probably recommend that they just try limited. Like, maybe yeah. try sealed. Like, don't do draft, know. don't do sealed. Can I be biased and say pauper? No. Because <laughs> it's really cheap. <laughs> yeah, you can. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> if, you, if you can find pauper events that are there, yeah, absolutely. Like, I would probably personally recommend pauper as well as the format to get people into because of the affordability, but also the complexity is still there if you want it to be but it's also very straightforward as well like there are some very important like critical points and stuff in it i would probably recommend bogles as a starting point as well depending on how how well Mm. they know the game from learning because bogles is relatively straightforward it also gives you an idea of what to play up against in pauper because you know life management resource and all that stuff so i think that's where i would aim towards or burn like kill fiend hot dogs yeah yeah. I love that it's called hot dogs. <laughs> Big fan. Big fan. Next we've got a question from Ed the Mage. How are you feeling about Ajani getting Phyrexianized and who do you think is next? So I'm gonna say that I think the next one is I'm just gonna say Angrath because I am in on the whole like, oh it's doing the Chibi Walkers uh, yeah. from that layer in secret layer in order. I'm just yeah. gonna say it's Angrath next because I'm just gonna like go full on tinfoil hat with that theory. <laughs> <laughs> Um, as for Johnny actually getting Phyrexianized, a lot of people are not going to like this, but good. Because, like, there's been so many no-stakes stories, really. Like, I know it's like, oh, the universe is going to fall apart. We know they're probably going to save it most of the time, right? Realistically. We're pro- they're probably going to save it. But it never feels like there's any real stakes because no one dies. And, like, when people saw the, the Tamiyo and, like, Anthony, it, listener, if you're listening, I'm sorry but mm-hmm. it's good that she got Phyrexianized because before that, there, there weren't really any stakes. Like, a couple of randos died and people were like, what? Like, yeah. like War of the Spark. A couple of, like, B-listers kicked it. Everyone was like, what is this? This is terrible. Mm. Like, I know I know Gideon said or whatever, but, like, you know, with, with the exception of that, there's basically been, like, no stakes, you know? So, um, so I'm with you on the tinfoil hat thing. Um, <laughs> but I also think Tybalt's going to get Phyrexianized if I remember from the story in Kaldheim, because mm. it's the chip that possessed Tamiyo to get Phyrexianized. Because I know Tybalt has that chip from Kaldheim, so maybe if he planeswalks, there may be a point where he gets Phyrexianized at some point as well. And it would be funny. But. Well, yes. Um, didn't Vorinclex, like, put some of his juice in him at some point? Yeah, I can't like remember the exact wording, but it was very it was like weird. Seed, yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah, who, who tells someone that they've put their seed in them like that? That's so. That's so, you know what? Vorinclex yeah. is the real, real bad guy here. Like, let's be real. Yeah. So I, I think it's going to be like Angraf, uh, Sorin, and Ashiok. I think they're also going to get Frex sounds, but I think there's going to be a surprise one, and I bet it's Tybalt because no one expects Tybalt to do anything. Let's be honest. I gotta say the concept of. Ashiok being completed sounds badass. Not gonna lie. Yeah, I really hope that happens. Yeah. Um, so we've got a question from Scott Hanch. Uh, they ask, with so many quote unquote flav- favorite planeswalkers being completed, which set will we find out that the twins are actually Urza and Mishra reborn? Um, I have no clue with the law. 
of as an Mishra, I I'm kind of glad the Brothers War is happening, so I know <laughs> what happened and that the history of that conflict. Mm. Um, so I don't think I can really answer this because I don't know the story that well. I'm I'm not super detailed on the story personally either, but I th- I do know some bits, and from what I do know. I am hoping this doesn't happen because they're both bollockses, so... I know Urz is a massive jerk. I know that much. Oh, yeah. He's just, like... He's just out there being like, hmm, how will I solve this? I know. Genocide. Like, yeah. that's not the answer, buddy. Like, go hang out with Vorinclex and be be a bad person <laughs> over there. Like, come on now. Let him take your seed. Hey, no. God, weird, stop. But... Jesus. <laughs> Someone's got to clip this out of context. Yeah, you. <laughs> um... <laughs> Then we've got one more from Joe Cheney. They ask, which of the new Dominaria United cards piques your interest the most? Oh, okay. Hold on. Uh, there are a couple. I have to bring up some of the previews right now. Um, I'm because on right now. <laughs> there, there are a couple. I really like, really, really like the ones that sort of give you the ability to Phyrexianize your mana. Yeah. You know, they're really cool where, you know, instead, as an additional cost to cast X color permanent spells you may pay two life those spells cost one of that color less to cast if you paid life this way so it's basically going it's like cricks crick son of yogmoth's like text yeah. except for a different color for each uh i really like those i quite like the new goblin lord the two mana one that was revealed oh, yeah. the other day i'm just like damn this is really good like it's gonna be good in like modern um because they could do with a two yeah. mana lord and the other one that piqued my interest, Temporary Lockdown, which is the big portable hole. Oh, yeah. That yeah. seems sweet as well. Yeah, just operating portable holes around the table. <laughs> yeah. You get you a portable get a- hole, and you get a portable hole. Yeah. yeah. And the other two that's really piqued my interest, but I haven't had a proper look yet because I'm just waiting for the whole gallery to go up. Yeah, that's also fair. Um, I think one of the other things that sort of excites me, well, first of all, Phoenix Chick. That is the cutest damn oh, little thing I've so ever seen in my life. Right, yeah. gotta gotta have a little shout out to my little friend. Love it. Uh, the other one, so far as of time of recording, there hasn't been an official translation of this, but it's like founding the third path or whatever. It's the two mana enchantment saga with read ahead. Chapter one is you can cast an instant or sorcery of mana value one or two from your hand without paying its cost. Chapter two is target player mills four cards, and then chapter three is exile an instant or sorcery from your graveyard, copy it, and you may cast the copy. It's just such a good value piece that playing that on any chapter at any point is just good. Like, really good. I'm not saying it's broken. I'm just saying it's like, it's just nice. Good bit of value. I just think it's neat. I was about to say that. Thank you for listening to us here at the BMcast and a special thanks to our patrons. At the Cheering Fanatic tier we have Tom Telford, Anthony Burchett, Christopher McCarthy, Edward Whitney, Evil Vanilla Glaze, Ian Holland, Jeff Eaton, Jonas Kong, Kilgore Trout 503, Matthew O'Neill, Max Makes Magic, MF Peaches, Mini Maya, Munsu Light, Nicholas Martin, Ozan Kaplaner, Scott Hanch, The Jess Guy, The Joe Cheney, Zachary Morrow, Tim Newman and Patrick Newman. And at the Stonks tier, we have A Nice Planeswalker, Alex Gibson, Bo Schwartz Madsen, Brian A. Madden, Coffee, Everett Brogan, Nurblin, Mickey Paris, Scott Creech, Seamus MC, Simon Grip, Jamie Coyle, and Clyde Anderson. Thank you all for helping to keep this podcast on the air. We cannot thank you enough. 
If you want to support us and add your name to this list of lovely and wonderful people, head on over to patreon.com forward slash the BMcast. If you have any questions, comments, or sweet brews, you can email us at budgetmagiccast at gmail.com or message us on Twitter at the BMcast. We'll be back next week to give you even more bang for your buck. 